one of the things, when I came home from school every Sunday, no, sorry, not church, <laughs> I went to private school, so it felt like I went to church every day. Uh, when I came home from school every day during the week, I would do as a lot of kids do. I would throw my bags down, run to the fridge and grab a snack, turn on the TV to channel 25, YTV. I grew up in Scarborough. Those channels are a little bit different up here. YTV, and I would watch my favorite show, Batman. Not the cartoon Batman, though. I'm talking old school Batman with Adam West. You know, Batman, Batman. So uh, that was my favorite show growing up. I love heroes. I love superheroes. You know, I, I love Batman. If you know me, you know my ridiculously crazy love for Power Rangers. Uh, still to this day, actually. It's kind of weird. I was on YouTube looking up the theme song for the Batman show, and then YouTube said, hey, I know you like Power Rangers. And then I went down a long rabbit trail of Power Ranger seasons. Um, sorry. I, you know, I, I like heroes. Love heroes. I love superheroes. My favorite superhero is Batman. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because University in Kyoto, they did a study. Uh, they sort of tried to understand where our love for heroes come from. Because we as humans, we love heroes. We, we love a good superhero movie, right? How many of us have seen Avengers? Right. How many of us have seen Infinity War? How many of us have seen Endgame? For those of you who have not seen Endgame, I don't know what you're doing. The, like, if you're going to wait, I might spoil it today during this, this sermon, so I'm just letting you know. It's long enough. You should have seen it from time. I'm really actually pointing at one person who knows that I'm pointing at them, uh, but I'm not going to reveal that person's name. Don't want uh, him to be embarrassed. Um, we love superheroes. We love the fact that someone would give up themselves to save other people. And the University of Kyoto, they did this study where they, they did a simulation where they put babies in front of the scenario. And they found that babies at 10 months old responded to when someone intervened on someone else's behalf. Isn't that crazy? That's really fascinating. I guess I knew that, you know, babies like, that's why babies like me, because I could be a superhero. No. Uh, no, that's, uh, no. We, we cheer on heroes because they have, they live a life that, that is virtuous. You know, we love everyday stories of, of, of people being heroic and doing stuff. You know, there's an accident on the highway and someone runs out and f to try to help somebody. We love those stories. We love when people uh, go after the bad guy. We love, you know, when, you know, when someone goes to rob a convenience store and then someone comes out of nowhere and says, stop that, man. And, like, you know, we love those stories. You know, the Bible features stories of heroes. You know, through, throughout the entire Bible, we have stories of, of, of people who are heroic, people who rise to the occasion. This morning, I want to look at one in particular. I'm going to use as a, a subject this morning the unusual hero. We're going to be in Judges uh, chapter 3, verse 12 to 29. Let's uh, read that this morning. Judges chapter 3, verse 12, it says this, Once again the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord gave King Eglon, that is an ugly name, King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon, man, enlisted the, <laughs> enlisted the Ammonites and the Amalekites as allies, and then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. Let's pause right there for a second. For 18 years, you had to serve a guy named Eglon. Anyway, let's carry on. 
Uh, but when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save him, save them. His name was Ehud, son of Gira, or Jira, could be either or, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to King Eglon. Hold that for a second. If you're reading your, if you got an actual Bible, if you have the Bible app, underline right there where it says a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. And just make sure you have that underlined, because we're going to come back to it in a few moments. Let's continue reading, though. Uh, verse 16, I believe we are at. So Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. He brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat. The Bible does not hold back sometimes. After delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. And, but when Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back. He came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. So the king commanded his servants, be quiet, and he sent them all out of the room. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. Let's hold right there. Let me finish that. As King Eglon rose from his seat. I'm going to leave you right there. Right there, captivated. The people of Israel have a, just a very spotty track record of following the Lord. There are times where, you know, they're fully devoted, and then there are times where they see what other people are doing and like, yo, I'm going to do that. Well, they didn't say yo, but uh, they, they decide that they're going to follow off on the wrong path. And oftentimes, God would be like, okay, do what you want to do, but, you know, I have better stuff for you here, but you want to do that? Okay, go ahead. That's literally what God would say. And so they find themselves under the rule of, of Eglon. But the people of God, they cried out in desperation. They cried out to God, we need someone. Send us someone. Save us. And so God, in his love and in his mercy, he sends out a man named Ehud. And remember I told you that the Bible tells us he's left-handed. Well, that's very important for this text. It's very important to remember because being left-handed was sort of odd. Different translations will say that he might have been handicapped in his right hand, but the truth of the matter is, is that he was born left-handed. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. And there are a lot of people in the tribe of Benjamin that were left-handed. In fact, let's read Judges chapter 20, verse 16. It says this a little later on in the book of Judges. It tells us, among Benjamin's elite troops, 700 of them were left-handed. Now watch this. This is super important to remember about these 700 troops. And each of them could sling a rock and hit a target within a hair's breadth without missing. You see, the Bible tells us that Ehud was left-handed, and he's from the tribe of Benjamin, and Benjamin specializes in left-handed people. Not only were they left-handed, but they were super skilled with, left hand, with their left hand. But in my research, I found out that they might not have been handicapped with their right hand. What would have happened in those days is that if you were born and they found out you used your, le your left hand more, they would make you learn to use your right hand. And then, eventually, you would become ambidextrous. But nobody else had this skill. And so, when Ehud, who is left-handed, is raised up by God, it is for a very specific purpose. 
with a very specific skill that he has. So we have Ehud, a left-handed man from the tribe of Benjamin. No one would expect that a left-handed man would go to war. No one would expect a left-handed man would do anything because left-handed people weren't seen as normal. And anybody here left-handed? I don't want to offend you. As I say, you're not seen as normal. Please take that disclaimer from me. I'm just letting you know. I'm just following the Bible. All right? Complaints, write it to God because he wrote, I, I'm just following the word. All right? So Ehud, he, he's a lefty. And he has this, this task at hand. You see, back in those days, the, the, the servants had to pay tribute to the king. They had to take a tribute or some sort of payment to the king. So Ehud and some others, they go to pay tribute to King Eglon. And to pay tribute in those days meant that the subject had to bring something. They would bring something very valuable, maybe wool or something of that nature. You know, and the Bible tells us, this is my favorite part, the Bible tells us that Eglon, he wasn't slim and nice like me. <laughs> he wasn't a little bit bigger. He was fat. In fact, I believe the very words were very fat. He was uh, uh, glasso. Is that a word? Ah, yes. You see, he was, he, was a, he was obese. He was big. And the Bible, I love how the Bible just puts everybody's business on blast sometimes. I am glad that I don't have a book in the Bible after me because all y'all would know my business. The Bible tells us that Eglon was fat. He was big. He was huge. He was obese. And so we know this about Eglon. We know that he's fat. We know that he's big. And I, you know, when I think of this, I think of, anybody watch that show on TLC, My 600-Pound Life? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to be rude or anything. I'm just, this is what came to mind. Helps paint a picture of what Eglon may have looked like. And so we have the people of Israel who are, who are enslaved or in bondage, really, to this, the, the king of, of Moab, and they're under this, the thumb. And they cry out to God, God, we need somebody. We need somebody. Send us somebody. And God says, I'm going to raise up Ehud. And so they bring this tribute to the king of Moab. And Ehud, after they paid the tribute, remember what the Bible says is that he made a dagger and he put it on his right thigh because he's left-handed. Now, when I read that, I was like, okay, cool. Um, apparently, King Eglon had bad guards because they didn't search properly, I guess. Um, but, I, but then I thought, but they would never have thought that Ehud was left-handed. They would have thought that he was probably right-handed, and so they would have searched the left side. They would have never thought to search this side. See, I love how God uses quirks in our lives, uses things that may make us a little bit different. Ehud is left-handed. He makes this dagger, places it on right thigh. Uh, let's continue reading. Where did we leave off? You will help me. There we go. Perfect. Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger. Remember, he's with Eglon now. Strapped to his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went, oh boy, the dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. 
So Ehud did not pull out the dagger and the king's bowels emptied. I want to hold right there for a second. Sorry, Lisa. You're going to work with me today. I, in Bible college, we had a few rules when we were preaching. One of the rules were don't add anything extra that's not there in the text. It's very important that we don't do that. But at the same time, we had other rules like, you know, don't talk about certain movements from the pulpit. Another rule is always follow the scriptures. So I find myself at a conflict here this morning because it tells me that the king's bowels emptied. I had to research this though. I had to look up what this meant. All right? And there's a significance to it. I mean, there's significance to it all. There is something here, you see, because there's details that are very important. The writer doesn't just write this you know, for fun, for, for giggles. <laughs> no, there's, there's a, speci- a specificity with the detail that is given to us here. Ehud, who is left-handed. Ehud, who makes a dagger and straps it, straps it to his right thigh. Plunges his dagger into the king and his bowels empty. You know, kings in those days, they had a cool room. They had a room where they could go up and just relax. In that cool room was a place where they could do their business. The room, as I was reading, I told you I did some research, would, be able, would allow breeze to come in. Right? Why it's called a cool room. You you do understand that a king would not want anyone near him in that time. I believe if we continue reading on, it would tell us that Ehud locked the the door so that no one could come in, so that no one could get into the room where he was. I find this interesting that the door is locked. Ehud has done this. And if we read it, let's read. Then Ehud closed and locked the doors of the room and escaped down the latrine. Verse 24, after Ehud was gone, the king's servants returned and found the doors to the upstairs room locked. They thought he might be using the latrine in the room. So they waited. But when the king didn't come out after a long delay, they became concerned and got a key. And when they opened the doors, they found their master dead on the floor. While the servants were waiting, Ehud escaped, passing the stone idols on his way to Syrah. When he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Ehud sounded a call to arms, then he led a band of Israelites down from the hills. Follow me, he said, for the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your enemy. So they followed him, and the Israelites took control of the shallow crossings of the Jordan River across from the Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moabites and killed about 10,000 of the strongest and most able-bodied warriors. Not one of them escaped. The next verse would tell us that the Israelites had peace for 80 years. Here's why details are so important. Eglon is stabbed, and dare I say, he had a gut reaction. <laughs> Guys, you knew it was coming. He was, he, his bowels empty. The Bible tells us that his bowels empty. And remember, he's in a cool room where a breeze would blow. So when his, when his servants came to the door, they just thought, oh, He's, he's doing business. 
He's doing business. No, no, no. They stayed that, you know, they smelt it. They, he's doing business. So what did they do? They waited. And while they were waiting, Ehud did what? He escaped. He got away. The scripture tells us that when he escaped, he went to men who were ready to attack. Because if the Moabites had no leader, if the Moabites had no king, who was going to be in charge of their army? There was no one to call a call, have a call to arms for, for the Moabite army to come and stop the Israelites. There was no one who was going to ri rise the army to defend. Bible tells us that the Israelites were able to slay 10,000 men. I know it's funny, but there is a purpose to what the author gives us in this text. God uses an unlikely person to be the hero. God used Ehud to bring deliverance to the Israelites. God knew who was going to step up to the challenge. It had to be someone so ordinary, so plain looking, Someone that would not be that you would not suspect would do something like that. God isn't looking for the tallest among us. He isn't looking for the strongest among us. He's looking for the most willing among us. He's looking for the person who's willing to surrender among us. You know, this is an old song. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hand, Lord. Take my feet. Who is willing to be used by God? I wonder sometimes about the church. Are we really willing for God to use us? Do we know what that entails when we say, God, I want to be used by you? Because sometimes I think we say it because it sounds good, but I don't think we really know what that means. There are people who come to church, and, and we love coming to church. But when God says, hey, I need you to go talk to your neighbor. Whoa, whoa, hold on. I've never, I've never spoken to him before. That's a little bit out of my comfort zone. Are you willing to surrender enough and get out of your comfort zone so God can use you? Are you willing to step up to the challenge that's put before you and allow God to use what talents he has given you? Please don't ever be fooled that you don't have talents and abilities. You just don't know what they are yet because you've never used them. You've never allowed God to use you in that way. The Bible tells us that Ehud was left-handed, and that is for purpose. Ehud was purpose for such a time as we find ourselves in this story. He was in the right place, exactly where God needed him to be. You might think that your, your workplace might not be the right place. Guess again, that's exactly where God needs you to be. Parents, your kids are going back to school. It's time that they know that they can be a hero to somebody in their school. They need to know that what they have, they have a gift, they have abilities that God can use if they would be willing. 
And the only way that your kids are going to see that, the only way that your kids are going to, to know what it's like to surrender to God, let me tell you how that works, is when they see you doing it. Don't, don't get me wrong. Kids will do it on their own. But how much more better does it look to, in their eyes when they see mom and dad doing it, or grandma and grandpa doing it, or auntie and uncle doing it as well? See, what Ehud is called to, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. What Ehud is called to, though, is full surrender to God. The only way God can raise up a hero is if a hero dies to self. If a hero surrenders and allows God to be in control. A friend of mine, he's at the Pentecostal World Conference in Calgary. And there was a, a preacher or a speaker who was speaking. And he, he was talking about the Holy, Holy Spirit. And one thing that the, this guy was saying, he's a speaker, he's a preacher in Africa. He, he was talking about the fact that we, we in North America, we sort of lost our drive. We've sort of lost that, that drive to reach people for Jesus. We love coming to church. We love our buildings. We love singing songs together. But are we doing it out of routine or are we doing it out of the drive of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Are we taking what we get in here and are we going out into the world? Are we going out into our communities? He was challenging pastors and leaders of Pentecostal denominations across North America, across the world, to go back to the basics, to go back to the fact that when Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came, it wasn't for us to keep to ourselves. We were to go, get out, to go into the world. It was to surrender everything and allow the Spirit to lead I don't know about you, but I think we need to get back to allowing the Spirit to lead us. That, that's kind of scary, though, because God is going to lead us to some scary places. God is going to lead us to places that are out of our comfort zone. But here's the thing. We need to be willing to trust where the Spirit is leading, because when we trust where the Spirit is leading, that also means that we're trusting that the Spirit is going to take care of us. And we need to be willing to trust our God Imagine what would happen if we got out of our comfort zones, if we stepped out. I, my prayer constantly is for more of the Spirit. But, you know, I often tell stories uh, about praying prayers because we pray prayers. And we say, God, I want more of your Spirit. And God says, okay, I'll give you more, but when you get more of the Spirit, what are you going to do with it? Because the Spirit is not for us to keep to ourselves. And the Spirit is a gift and an ability to sense the presence of the Spirit. And God gives us gifts, and when He gives us gifts, we're not to keep it to ourselves, we're to use it. See, being left-handed was looked at, looked as, looked on, looked upon as a handicap. But it was actually a gift to Ehud. It was a gift that he could use help deliver the people of Israel. You know, this is a great, tremendous story. 
because we're able to focus on the hero Ehud. We're able to focus that he was an unusual hero that Israel needed at the time. And I'm looking, and I'm here in this, this room this morning, and there are unusual heroes in here with no offense to anybody. But you have gifts and abilities that God has given you. And God wants to use you too. The Israelites were in bondage. The Israelites were under the thumb of Moab and King Eglon. There's a world out there in bondage. Under the thumb of the enemy. Satan has people doing all sorts of crazy things. Thinking all sorts of crazy things. Not even knowing who they are people who walk around trying to figure out who they are today and then try to figure out who they are tomorrow. You see, but we have a gift called the Holy Spirit that has empowered us to go into all the world and make disciples, to go into all the world and tell people about the love of Jesus. And we need to surrender to that gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, because God hears that people need a Savior. God hears that this world needs something. And God says, I've already provided that something. I've already sent my son to die on the cross. Now I need to send my messengers to tell them. And we are the unusual heroes in this room this morning. We are Ehuds. Sent to rescue people. Sent to lead people to the true rescuer. I love the story. It's, it's funny, but it also reveals a hero and that we have skills and we have abilities that we can use, but it also reveals something else. As every story in the Bible always does, especially in this book, especially in this chapter, if you read Judges chapter 3, the whole entire thing, there are two other stories just like this. It's much shorter and not as funny. But it reveals something very important. It reveals that our God hears those who cry out to him. Our God hears those who need him. Our God is loving. Even when we abandon the promises, he still upholds his promise. The very beginning of this, of this verse that I read this morning, the Israelites did what was wrong in the Lord's eyes. They turned their back on him again. Because if you read Judges chapter 3, they, they turn their back on him again, and God says, okay, I'm going to raise up somebody. And they turn their back on him again, and God says, I'm going to raise up Ehud. And they turn their back on him again, and God says, okay, I'm going to raise up someone else. Because he is a loving God who upholds his promises. He is a God of mercy, a God of love. He is a God who will never forget you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And at the end of it all, all glory always goes to God. You see, it is God who empowers us to do what it is he has called us to do. It is God who said, I'm going to send my spirit to help you. It is God who is in control. And when we allow, when we, well, hold on, when we surrender to God, we become unusual heroes, heroes that nobody expects. Ehud was God's instrument willing to be used. Ehud was willing to allow God to use him. Are you willing to be used this morning? Are you willing to be a hero?
unusual hero. Because the skills and abilities that we have, not all of us are going to have the same ones. But God uses every single one of us to fulfill his purpose. We can't do it in our own power. We can't do it in our own skills. We can't do it in our own ability. But when the Holy Spirit touches you, you go from being ordinary to extraordinary. You go from being natural to supernatural. And I'm here to tell you this morning that some of you are here and you're trying to figure out, God, how can you use me? God says, I got just the right tool for you. You already have it. You already have every skill and ability you need for me to use you. Are you willing? Are you willing? I told you last time that we need to have a heart that follows after God. God's heart breaks for those who don't know him. God's heart, it longs for people who who are apart from him. We need heroes who are willing to rise up. We need heroes who are willing to step up to the challenge, who are willing to step out of themselves and step into what God has called us to do. We need heroes who are willing to say, listen, I don't care what the world says about Jesus. I am going to stand up for Jesus. We need heroes who are going to look at our neighbors, look at your neighbors, and say, listen, I know what you're going through, and I know that there is someone who can help you. I know that there is a true rescuer who can help you in this situation. We need some heroes who are willing to go to the schools and say, listen, teenager, listen, person, child, 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 you're going down the wrong path, but I know someone who can help you. We need heroes who are willing to stand up and go to the universities, the institutions of higher learning, and tell them, listen, you are learning a lot of stuff, but I need to teach you about Jesus Christ, the one who takes away the sins of the world. We need heroes who are willing to step out of their comfort zone. Because the reality of this, reality is this, Jesus is coming back. I don't know when, I don't know the exact time, I hope I'm looking good when he returns. I hope I'm looking my finest when Jesus comes back. But he's coming back. And before he does, there are many more people who need to know who Jesus Christ is. And if they don't hear about it, if they don't hear about the gospel of Jesus, then the truth of the matter is, they will miss out on eternity with Jesus. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And are we willing to step out of our comfort zone so that someone misses out on hell? I would hope that there are some unusual heroes in this room this morning. But it comes with total surrender. Worship team, you can join me on stage. That word surrender is, is interesting. You think of wars... You know, I surrender, I give up. What would it look like if we all surrendered? Surrendered our plans and said, God, this is my plan, but I'm giving it up so that your plan would would come to fruition. What would happen if we surrendered our lives fully and said, God, use me? Oh, I, I, 
The ground would shake with the army of the Lord. Total surrender means giving up everything to allow God to use you. Ehud risked his life. Imagine if he goes in there and someone actually searches his right thigh. That was the risk he took because he was willing to be used by God. Surrender means tapping out. Surrender means giving up. I told you last time I'm a fan of wrestling and, or UFC. When, when someone's been struggling for a long time in a submission hold, you know eventually what they do? They give up. They tap out. And I believe that there are people in churches around the world who are struggling with God, and God says, I want to use you. But you've got to give up. You've got to surrender because I can't use you if you're not willing to surrender. I believe that God wants to use us this morning. Surrender means not my will, but your will be done. And when we say not my will, but your will be done, that means we're, we're saying, God, I, I'm giving up. And I'm going to follow you. Oh, I love, I love this. Because God hears the cries of his people. Maybe you're here this morning and you're crying out to God for something. Please be rest assured that God hears your cries. He heard the cries of the Israelites and he raised up a deliverer. He raised up a hero. Don't everybody stand to their feet this morning. Maybe you're here you've been crying out to God for a while. Maybe you've got a need. Maybe you have something on your heart. Maybe someone, and you've been just crying out. I want you to know that God hears that. And he says, I, I hear you. Maybe you're here, and you're saying, God, I want to be used by you. And God says, I know you do, but you, you've got to surrender. You've got to lay it down. Lay down your pride. Bust that comfort zone bubble. Maybe that's you this morning. See, I want to pray, pray with each and every one of us. One of you. That God would give us a spirit of boldness to step out and be the hero that somebody needs in your community, in your workplace, in your school. My prayer is that God would put someone on your heart. My prayer is that God would lead you to somebody who needs to know him. And I don't just preach this message because Back to Church Sunday is coming up. I preach this message because every day people are dying without hearing about Jesus. People are dying every day and missing out on eternity with Christ. And that to me is unacceptable. If we are followers of God, we, the number one thing that Jesus said, go out and make disciples. Go out and be heroes to people who need to be rescued. 
You might say, Pastor, I have no skills. I can't talk. I can't sing. Yeah, that's fine. But there are other skills and abilities you have. Can you hand out sandwiches to people who have nothing to eat? Can you go to a store and, and buy clothes for people who have nothing to wear? Are you willing to lay down yourself and allow Jesus to, to use you? Every eye closed, every head bowed. I want to make an appeal. If, you, if you're here this morning, you've, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You hear the story of how, how God raised up somebody. How God hears the cries of his people. And you're here and you, you've been crying You've been crying out for so long, trying to figure out what it is that you're missing in your life. I'm here to tell you what you're missing, that you're missing Jesus. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to shoot your hand up real quick and say, yes, I, I, I want to be a, a follower of God. Yes, I want to I I follow Jesus all my life. Maybe you're here, you've never accepted Jesus before. Or maybe you're here and you have accepted him before and you've sort of walked away. You've done the people of Israel. You've turned your back. You know that's not where you're supposed to be. You lifted up your hand. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I need you. So come into my heart today and be the king of my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. If you're, you're here and you have a desire to be used by God, you have a desire to do more for the kingdom. You have a desire to do more for God. You have a desire to reach out. You have a desire to, to, to speak the gospel to people to, who need to hear. If that's you, in a moment we're going to sing another song. We're going to close and we're, we're going to sing a song. But I want you right where you are. Don't, you don't even need to come up to the front. Just start to ask God. God, would you, would you use me? Would you use me, God? Would you raise me up to be a hero to someone who needs me? Place someone on my heart. I love that old hymn, I Surrender. Love that song. It's a declaration. I surrender all to Jesus.